All right, welcome to Not Investment Advice. Uh, so this episode is going to be a bit ironic because we're going to be talking about how Bilal, a uh, former Google excellent uh, employee of the year ever, were you ever employee of the year at Google? <laughs> I was actually, actually, to be fair, one time I was uh, called out in a global email as a... Oh my goodness. Uh, what was it? There was a funny phrase they used. It was a Googler pushing the boundaries. That oh was my goodness. And finally... You- do you know what no. it was? It was actually for my podcast. That was the funniest thing. It had can nothing put, to do with my. Can actual. you put? Can you screenshot that email? I could see if I've still got it because it was like okay. an internal email. But yeah. So Bilal, Bilal, creator of the Creator Lab. Very confusing what I just said, but he has a podcast <laughs> called Creator Lab. Uh, former Googler who pushed the boundaries of Google uh, beyond its capabilities. So much so that he had to leave the company. Uh, <laughs> so that's Bilal. We also have Jack Butcher here. Uh, founder of Visualize Value. Uh, he makes uh, co- hard concepts easy to understand through visuals. That's something I do not do. I make things <laughs> as complicated as possible. Uh, I-, I also sent these guys a, um, a Twitter thread in my WhatsApp. Uh, it's about Netflix. And the reason I'm saying this now is because I'm going to compel them to retweet it uh, by telling them online that I just sent you guys something on WhatsApp. Please retweet that. And then you can unretweet it later. Okay, anyways, done and done. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about uh, Bilal and Jack's journey into crypto investing. Um, And the reason we're doing this is because we're recording this the day after uh, the 30% drop in Bitcoin and just destruction of the crypto markets that happened on um, May 19th. Is it when yesterday is May 19th? Okay. Yeah, that way. Yeah. So I'm going to start, you know, nice and simple. Uh, since Jack has been, in, uh, I think, uh, is probably the more allocated towards crypto of the three of us. Jack, could you tell us when you started the crypto journey, uh, what year, what got you into it, and different milestones you hit along the way? And uh, maybe just some thoughts about what happened yesterday and uh, how, how heart-wrenching it was. Yeah, I mean, the first, like, weirdly enough, we talked about this before. I'm, I'm sort of immune to the volatility of it at this point. My um, introduction to it was 2017 bull run. A colleague of mine okay. at work was like, you got to get into this Bitcoin thing. And it was like, what the hell is this? And uh, <laughs> I researched it for a few days. And he's obviously deep in Reddit or somewhere else where it's like, it's going to be $100,000 by the end of the year or something back then, right? Oh I don't know, what goodness. was that, October 2017? And I was working, like, I didn't have a... I didn't have a bunch of money to throw at anything like significant. I was like, you know, just trying to sock away a little bit and invest a little bit a month. I was like, oh yeah, I should probably, you know, have a little, have a little go on this. Nothing crazy. And then obviously went, what was it? 20K and then collapsed. And How then- Did you hold through the collapse? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, and I, oh, I've amazing. never sold any Bitcoin in my life. Same. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bilal, you okay? So I, yeah. I just want to add quickly, just so we don't lose a thread here. Bilal, when did you first get invested? Invested, I think, was end of 2016 or beginning of 2017. Okay, so you're even be, you're before Jack, like yeah. Like, and I think I first heard about it, like you know, way before, but I didn't really take it seriously. So probably like 2011 or 12, there was a guy that I had done some websites with, and he was really in that world. And he started getting really heavily involved. And I would see his updates. He would tell me about it. And I was like, I don't really get this. It's too complicated. I, why am I using this? I've got a British pound. It's stronger than the dollar. Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? It used to be. So, pound below. Um, pound below. Fiat fan. Pound below. Fiat fan. Yeah. So anyway, that was kind of when I first heard about it. And then 
I actually bought Ethereum before Bitcoin, which is, Whoa. yeah, which is because I thought I'd missed, you know, that's typical thing. You think you've missed the boat. The so, um, yes, let's just say beginning, let's say January 2017, I think. Um, this guy who has a fintech podcast, I got connected to him and I was saying, hey, could you tell me about... Was his name the- Anthony Pompiliano? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so basically this dude, he's like, oh, but check out Ethereum because I think it's quite interesting. So that's when I, I started just buying it up then because I was like, okay, this seems interesting. Yeah, damn, he's- man. Good for yeah, you, so- yeah, but it wasn't a crazy amount, especially in the beginning. And then over time, I learned more about it and I was like, okay, I'm going to have you I've, ever I've sold more... Ethereum or Bitcoin? No, I, I've basically Never. kept everything too. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you probably got in at 1,000 on Bitcoin. Uh, Jack, do you remember the number you got in at? Mm, it's got to be like low teens, I would think. Okay, so you, you yeah, okay, you were literally into the run-up. I think mine, sorry, to clarify, I bought Bitcoin later that year as well. So I didn't get in under like 1,000. It was probably okay. closer to like closer to 10 or something like that. It started the year around a, like a G uh, when, it, when it boomed all the way up. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah. Both but of you but sorry, think- Ethereum was like low, but below 50 or something like that. Yeah, so it was, you're, you're real early yeah. on Ethereum. Okay, so back to Jack is you've never sold. The crypto winter happens. So talk me through 2018. Uh, your thoughts on crypto, and then we'll go to Bilal with the same question. But was it just more like you're just holding, you don't give a shit, you didn't even think about it? Like, what was 2018 like? Yeah, I mean, I was working, like, it wasn't like my life now where I'm like reading like 5,000 tweets a day about- <laughs> And Bitcoin, sending us right? all of them, sending yeah, yeah, yeah. us all of them. <laughs> and listening to three-hour sailor interviews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was uh, like, it crashed down. It's like, I had done- a decent amount of reading in, in the beginning. And I was like, this is, this is like extremely interesting to me. And the thesis put forward by everybody backing it hadn't changed necessarily. And I was like, even pretty new to financial markets in general. So it was like, it wasn't like, I wouldn't have reacted to it in the same way that if I had a stock portfolio that dropped 50%, for example, right. because I just didn't have that experience exposure. Um, we talked about before, I didn't have a 401k, right? Like, it was just like not a thing for me. Um, so then, yeah, this through 2018, embarrassingly so, it was like, I still believed in it, but I just left it. I didn't like add to the position. That's amazing. Or anything. Yeah. It was, but, oh no, not amazing that you didn't double down. You're just right, like, ah, right. I'm just going to leave it. Yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it. I'll see what happens. Um, I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like, man, I should have. You know what? You bring up such a great point though, is uh, so many people that know nothing about the world of finance, as you kind of described yourself, are literally learning about financial markets through crypto, which is yeah. insane. Yeah. It's just absurd yeah. to think that this is how you're going to learn about savings and like cost averaging. And it messes with, it messes with a lot of people because like right. I've spoken to people who are like 19 and they're making fun of you know warren buffett yeah and they're just like yeah warren buffett like what they're trying to get eight percent a year i'm like like you have no context like how this stuff works long term like to to make something 100 percent in one year or a thousand is is not normal so i think that's something to stress well wait first of all Bilal, where are you talking to 19 year olds (laughs) let's (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) hold on here don't bury the lead (laughs) 
<laughs> you're gonna get me cancelled too bro what's going on no but, <laughs> no, but genuinely like, I, I think i no genuinely I, I did a few things with like high school and like college students before okay like finance a, a few years ago and they would come and talk about oh are you buying crypto are you doing this and i'm like you know similar to jack like i'm really interested in it and i've really encourage people to check it out but i'm just like again same as what you said last time like don't invest anything you're not willing to go to zero because this could literally go to zero and yeah we saw through 2017 to 2018 a 90 percent reduction yeah in and and it, just to see that mentally if that's all your life savings or even worse you've got leverage and you're you now owe money essentially it's really really dangerous so but anyway well, yeah, actually, so. last episode jack said something which was great it's just uh about the, I forgot what you're saying about the sell-off. TLDR, I totally forgot. Guys, I, I haven't had enough caffeine today. I'm moving on to the next question. Uh, right. Bilal, 2018, uh, your thoughts about the crypto winter. Did you buy the dip? Uh, what were your thoughts about it? Was it like Jack where you just kind of let it and forget it? You're like, fuck, whatever. Yeah, what I did, luckily, what I did is I learned about cold storage back then. So there was, oh. uh, so I was going on Reddit. That's where most of the stuff was happening at the time, I think. And I, just to paint a picture, it was going up through 2017. I got really into it. I was working at Charity War at the time. I'm um, literally trying to, so I ran the brand partnerships team. I'm getting um, in, introduced to the Winklevoss twins to do this crazy takeover. Whoa, of, whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. You know the Winklevoss twins? <laughs> no, I don't know them. I just got introduced by my then boss, uh, so who knows lots of people. I, over email, and then I went to their office and met them, but I really, the meeting was with someone else. But yeah, they literally were there in the room wearing the same outfit, like white t-shirt or something. Tell me about the office. Tell me about Oh, it was just like a standard New York office, to be honest. It was kind of just, yeah, like uh, I forgot where it was, but somewhere in Manhattan. And uh, But long story short, the, the crazy, you know, um, bull market happened that year. So I was personally invested a little bit, but I wasn't like, you know, a millionaire or anything like that. It was just a significant amount for me at the time. Um, but what happened was I was, my job was to like, um, get money for charity war, right? And to yeah. do partnerships. And what had happened that year, I don't know if you guys remember, there was this thing called the Pineapple Fund. And this dude on Reddit just posted and said, hey, I am basically made a bunch of money um, in crypto. I want to give most of it away to charity. Who should I give it to? And that's a whole long story. But long story short, I, I was the first person to convince that guy to give money to a charity. He gave $2 million in, in Bitcoin. In in Bitcoin. In, in Bitcoin. And uh, it was... And you guys I mean, liquidated it like a fucking idiot. No, but we, no, but the interesting the interesting point is you kind of have to. like, And yeah, you know, you might you have, know your charity. financial background. You're, you're We're charity and it was the right thing to do. We basically sold it like towards the top. And, uh, you know, that helped lots of people with, with clean water, yeah, which okay. was cool. Fair enough. But anyway, but the, the, but the reason I mentioned that is because all of this stuff was going on. So my life was being taken over and I'm like reading every day. I also invested really early on this thing called Nano, which at the time was called Rayblox. And, and again, this is not investment advice or a scientific way of doing it, <laughs> but I was measuring the number of mentions on Reddit for different cryptocurrencies. Um, and I was, guys. and I was just, yeah, a lot of it was just like anecdotal, but I kept seeing this being mentioned and that I bought like less than a dollar. It went up to $30 and I didn't sell anything and it went all the way back down, right? So I still own some of it today. And the, the, the point there is that's something I did learn the next time round where I said, 
okay, if I've got a coin that is not Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe it's wise for me to like, you know, sell a little bit or whatever okay. over time. So um, yeah, those were kind of the highs and lows. And in 2018, I was like, oh my God, I, I, would, I just got on the hype. I don't actually know what I'm doing. And, but thankfully, because I had it in cold storage, um, I wasn't like tempted just to press a button on an app and sell it straight away. So I, again, I've, I've pretty much held everything. Did you guys that think that crypto was over in 2018? Were you like, oh, that was a fun time and I just will never think about it again. How did you guys think about that? It's a good question. I don't know if I think it was over, but I, I didn't know enough to think long-term, okay, what's the real use case digital gold which is now a newer narrative um i i just thought oh maybe this is a short-term thing people got hyped about and obviously the stuff was overheated as well um so i just thought maybe it just comes back down maybe it will you know be around i didn't actually really have much of a right. conviction on, a, like on a idea really on it, right? yeah whereas now i think i have a little bit more of an understanding well let, let me do a quick name drop stanley Druckenmiller, one of the greatest <laughs> investors ever now he uh very fortunate to get a chance to interview him. It was set up by a fintech company called Toggle AI, which he's an investor in. But he said that, I mean, I love the way he framed it. He's so humble. He just said that for him, for all these years, Bitcoin was a solution in search of a problem. And it's kind of sounding like what you guys are saying. It's like, I don't really know what this is for, but he's like central banks, right? Like that's the thesis now that's really happening, right? Michael Seale is just hammering it. Fiat's getting destroyed. It's like, it's a store of value. It's like you said, that was what was discovered. But Jack, so 2018, um, what were your thoughts when it happened? Were you like, cool, that was fun. I don't care anymore. Or Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's like the, you get into it, almost everyone gets into it as a speculation. And then if you stay past the initial um, failed speculation, <laughs> you normally convert, right? So okay. these, these, yeah, these that's people, a great way to put it. I, okay. I, I just, I like, it wasn't enough of a meaningful amount of money where like, I had to pull it out to salvage the loss. It was more yeah. of just like, a, oh, well, I read all this stuff about it and I still believe the stuff that was written there. I still don't understand markets and the amount of money I have in there now is kind of inconsequential if I pull it yeah. out because it drops so savagely. So I should just like keep reading about it and leave it there and see what happens. Could you distill for me, uh, both of you, uh, so Jack first, could you distill for me what Bitcoin means to you in 2018 in Ethereum? Like, what would you say? You said, oh, I believe this story now. What was that thesis in 2018 that you believed from what you had read? And then Bilal, the well, same. Well, I think um, I, it, I used Bitcoin as a vehicle to understand what happened in 2008 because I didn't understand it at the time. So okay. what I... Like to get really like heady and philosophical about it. It's like not investment advice, not investment advice. Yeah. Like culture and like the way the world has operated since 2008 is obviously a um, byproduct of the way money and incentives are issued at scale. And I think like whole generation of people have like, you've read this everywhere, right? The millennial home ownership rate and like the, earnings to um, inflation ratio and just like the generational difference in financial opportunity and financial standing between us and baby boomers, for example, is like, if you go all the way back, like the unpegging of USD from the gold standard is when that chart just takes off. Right. The seventies right? under Nixon. Yeah. 
71, I think. And um, I had a re like really rudimentary understanding and to be honest, still do compared to a lot of people. But that thesis makes total sense to me. I start to understand like scarcity as an idea right. and then you get into gold. It's like, well, gold is scarce. It's like you don't have custody of it. And all of this, like there are all of these indicators and all of these like, you know, it is all theoretical, obviously. But if you even track Bitcoin back to 2008 from 2018, the story is crazy. You can't ignore the fact that it went from like having no value whatsoever to becoming this network yeah. that people are betting on. It's like, and even if you start to look into investing in general, it's like the Lindy effect of this thing, right? It's like, yep. you keep zooming out. It's like, what will take it to zero? Like, oh, money is just this thing that a bunch of people believe in. Well, more and more people believe in this thing every day. So as an allocation, not not the craziest not the idea to imagine that, that yeah. this could at least become some speculative thing. And it did over the last, like more and more and more so over the last three years. And it's hard to imagine, it's hard to imagine a zero scenario for me, uh, right. just with the fact of like the network of people that built it from 2008 to 2018 is probably enough to sustain it above a certain price level. For 100%. Forever, right? I think I think uh, is it is either Naval Mouth says there's like ten thousand people in the world that will trade their houses and clothes and everything out their back for Bitcoin, right? right like right, that's the right. price support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so that's Bitcoin. Uh, what's the quick twenty eighteen uh, Ethereum uh, thesis you had? Uh, clearly, Bilal sounds like he had is a more well developed twenty eighteen thesis. No, no, Jack, <laughs> Jack twenty eighteen. Oh, actually, you weren't in Ethereum twenty eighteen. Okay, so we'll go to Bilal. Yeah, do okay. it. All right. Yeah, well, I was just going to say really quickly, I'll, I'll touch on Ethereum in a second. And honestly, I genuinely feel like I don't know enough about this to really articulate properly. But the, the shift in Bitcoin for me was, you know, you first hear the phrase cryptocurrency and, and you think of a currency like a dollar that you pay for stuff for or whatever. And then I think the really smart thing, whoever's done this, basically the Bitcoin community, they've shifted that narrative from currency to store of value. Um, yeah. And that has been really smart and digital gold. And I, it actually makes a lot of sense because why does gold have any value? Because we assign it value. A lot of people think it's really just to do with the chain that you wear with gold on it. And yeah, a lot of it isn't anything yeah. to do with that. So that was that. And also, uh, if I go back to like 2009, I uh, again, I'm not a big finance person, but some of the smartest people I know in that space, there is one guy in particular I'm thinking of who went to college with me. Then he went to Cambridge, did this crazy finance stuff. And he got taught this crazy finance world by really smart people. And he was telling me back then, like, oh, there's this stuff about inflation and the fact that the currencies are being printed uh, and uh, quantitative easing and all that stuff. And at the time, I like I studied economics, so I knew kind of what he's talking about, but I didn't have any historical context. Yeah. And then when you start seeing it, you're like, oh, well, what, why did we move away from a gold standard in the first place? Um, and why don't we think about... Um, this is a problem that I think the number is 20% of all dollars were like printed last year or something like that. Yeah. It, was, it was a crazy amount. So that was kind of the context that I eventually reread about. I think that store of value narrative really helped me understand it a bit, a, a bit more, um, a speculative one at that. But then Ethereum to me, that's where, again, at the time I didn't fully understand, um, but I just remember people saying smart contracts, smart contracts. And I was oh like, Oh my what? God, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Dude. That was it. 
IBM started doing blockchains. We're going to exactly. reinvent everything, blockchain this, smart contract that. Exactly. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. There's enough smart people that's much smarter than me. And I was looking at like VCs, like those guys are not trying to lose money. They're not just <laughs> investing in it for the yeah. sake of it. Like they and genuinely- not trying to lose money, yeah, right? Exactly. And even now I'm looking at it like, what are the big bets? It's crypto, biotech, yeah, AI. Yeah, it's crypto, biotech. It is. It's exactly. And, and I guess the added creator economy recently. Exactly. So even now when I see that stuff, I'm like, okay, there's definitely something here. And then when I hear someone like Balaji, I think he's been one of the, oh the best people for me Smartest to listen to. Smartest fuck in the world. <laughs> yeah, because he's really thinking about like the applications of technology and like the way he described it, um, was it post-economic, right? Like that's the, as Sean and Sam said on their podcast, the most baller way of saying you rich, right? Like you don't need to worry <laughs> about money anymore. And he's at that point where he, he probably doesn't need money anymore um but he's genuinely you can tell when he's talking he <laughs> yeah. cares about this stuff so yeah, um does. so like hearing that and then the last part is on ethereum now is what people are talking about is web3 um and again i i don't even know if you ask me to define exactly what that means i don't fully even get it because right. it's, it's complicated but essentially these applications that we're now seeing and uh, and i can see even now people log in to a decentralized exchange or something like that and they literally connect their money and they are and they are putting their money into this thing which is all based on code it's not based on a lawyer sitting there yeah. saying oh but i was lent someone 100 grand and therefore they're going to pay him six percent it's all done in the code and that to me makes sense because i i get that code can help you know reduce costs automated and get rid of trust. people automated, automated trust. trust so i think when you think of it as value and money on the internet then that's kind of what I'm thinking of as as Ethereum as a as a blockchain anyway. So whether that ends up being Ether because Ether has a lot of problems and there's, there's you know scalability stuff. There's um, the gas fees right now are crazy. It's expensive. If those things do get sorted out, which I think hopefully they will with what's called ETH 2.0 or whatever and the Beacon blockchain merge and all this crazy stuff. Um, then hopefully I, I my bet is that yeah ethereum uh, will be a dominant part of the internet for the next 10 years or the right. digital infrastructure for the next 10 years again that could be completely wrong like at one point people thought lycos was going to be the number one search engine so yeah it, it's it's a big uh risk still so i just want to summarize super quickly is you guys seem from getting into this is called mid uh, 2010s right it's like when you really start looking into it but then you started buying the entire story they've been building right and as such a uh, powerful part of cryptos the really successful ones obviously bitcoin ether is like they do have these narratives right it's like the pro world's programmable computer or decentralized computer and then the store of value so yeah I, I it's very interesting to hear you guys talk about it and obviously a little bit too it's like you're trying to rationalize yourself right and to, oh, completely. to, to justify this investment but i know that's that's super interesting so the thing i wanted to add was i'll just add my 60 seconds of so i my first exposure to Bitcoin was in 2013. I was doing MBA and I actually wrote a whole paper about Bitcoin and it was around, uh, and it was around Argentina's inflation problem and how they started using it. So a lot you of- You got to publish it, mate. You got no, dude, publish I mean, dude, it, it's Oh man, not, I'd love to read that. I mean, actually, I should show from 2013 because I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, this is like, because I, I I'm a history major, right? So I love history mm. and mm. like, a sign of fucking how big eggheads are like i looked at it and i was like i kind of understood the theory did fucking nothing with the information right but uh first exposure was kind of really 2013 and and i everything you guys said right the narrative i totally bought totally understood just did nothing about it and 
I think today actually should break the lie that is FIA fan and you guys will laugh because we're talking about 2018. My buddies gifted me 2000 Cardano's for uh, my uh, son's birthday. So no way. Uh, my son was born January 2018, but you guys will laugh. As a total noob I was, I just copy and pasted the image of the fucking wallet key and put it in a Google Doc. I lost it. And that thing's worth like 50 grand now. I don't know what it is. I think it's like worth 50 grand. So Fiat oh, actually has 50K of Cardano. Oh, dude. You're just somewhere uh, in the fucking internet right now. I have no idea where it is. Uh, so that's pretty funny. Um, so the last, so I think it brought us, I think we covered a lot of ground here. Let's just talk about 2020. Uh, my first question to you guys regarding 2020 is this. Uh, just super quickly, are you guys both believers? You're like fucking holders now, or are you still on the fence, or just both believers holders? So Bilal first, yes or no? Yeah, the, the short answer is yes, but what I'd say is I've managed my risk, right? Because I, okay. I think there's like a startup. I think there's there's companies I see, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could have invested in that. But there's ninety percent of stuff they still need to navigate, and so many things can go wrong. So, uh, so that's why I've only kept it to a position in my overall portfolio which is big enough that if it works out then i'm happy and it's made a difference to my life but if it's if it goes to zero i'm not like on the street you okay know I mean? so you're you you're a believer but not to the extent that we're about to find out from one uh, jack butcher yeah well the lot sorry trying last thing i'll add is that when the facts change i'm happy to change okay. my mind like you know what i mean like if yeah. if i find out oh there was a bunch of stuff that was lies or i thought something was true and it, uh, there's a new something that comes out i'm not like dogmatic about it like i don't okay okay yeah do you know what well, I mean? that's interesting then so i mean you're a believer but you're not a hundred percent believer you're yeah a believer i mean I, I think it i think there's a lot of potential and i want to get upside from it if that ends up being the uh, internet for the next 10 years but there's a lot of things that could go wrong still. So more so than uh, between the two, which one is more likely in your mind to be? Uh, uh, I think Bitcoin has a simpler narrative and therefore yep. it can probably just work long term if people keep believing that narrative. Yep. Ethereum has a lot more technical stuff it needs to figure out. But then there's also a lot more upside. upside right. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's a bit of both. So I'd say Ethereum is probably riskier in a way, uh, but there's so much, so many use cases that... Exactly, exactly. So, so I, lo I love that we're treating them like basketball players. Like, uh, like uh, Bitcoin is like the salt. He's an all-star, but Ethereum could potentially be the LeBron here. <laughs> kind of. That's how I feel at the moment. Okay, yeah. so Jack, um, what is your level of belief? We've been joking the last four episodes about you basically have the Bellagio portfolio, 50 BTC, 50 <laughs> Just tell the listeners, like your level. And, and again, this is not investment advice. And I think we should frame it with what Bilal said. We're all subject to changing our minds. But today on May 20th, what is your level of belief? One thing I, I think Bilal covered a lot of this too is like, what feels so different is just, I'm trying to find examples of people who, I've come across in my lifetime that are as smart as the people I've been reading for the last two or three years. And I'm emulating their belief system, essentially. Like I did not come to these conclusions on my own. Like I'm not like re reading the code of Bitcoin and being like, hmm, yeah, that makes total sense. That's going to run forever. I'm just like, hang on a minute. Like I tend to agree with everything this person has said and they're on the record for the last 10 years getting this stuff right with skin in the game and like a balance sheet to back it. Do I, you know, all investing is to me is like aligning yourself behind people that are smarter than you essentially, right? You're basically punching up with the like measly amount of capital that you have to invest. And 
Ethereum, for example, it's like the galaxy brain collective of people buying Ethereum. Do I believe, or working on Ethereum, do I believe they can make, create more value than me in my life? Like me plugging away at a computer? One million percent, right? More so than people that are like manufacturing F-150s or canning up bottles of Coke or Budweiser. Like all that stuff is still valuable, but like the upside is is basically priced in, right? All of these like traditional businesses that aren't like cutting into some new way to deliver value. I think you can you can allocate an appropriate amount of money to businesses that will just work for a long time, but be it an ETF or whatever else. And like we said on the last recording, like not investment advice, but that's probably like as a retirement strategy, all your money in Ethereum or Bitcoin, it may be a bit <laughs> mental. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, like my risk profile is different because um, like I'm not an employee either, right? So it's not like if I if I was working for a company and putting all my paycheck in Bitcoin and Ethereum, I think that would be absolutely bananas. But like my working situation is very different. Like I could, we talked about this before, Trung. It's like you have the anti-fragile uh, network where if you needed to recover from a terrible investment, you could make a few, you know, make a few smart moves and uh, get in touch with a few people, freelance work or whatever it might be, and you can recover from it. Whereas I think like your investment portfolio should be a reflection of your, not your, not the amount of money you have necessarily, but how um, like financially elastic you can be maybe. Uh, and that's more of the reason why I've have these allocations and the conviction I have and the energy I get from working with people in the space is also a reason, right? Like the, as soon as I started meeting up with people that are working on these things, investing in these things, like, my God, these people are so smart. And like, it's almost um, like a signal for the types of people that to like right. to get access to a network too. Like, do I believe it's, do I believe people will build great things and it will go up in value? Yes. But do I also get some upside regardless of whether Bitcoin is at its all-time high or at like $10,000 by just having a network of 2,500 people that are diehard Bitcoin really, people. Both That's, of you, I just want to say, sounds like you really, the, the optionality part is huge. Um, I, I just want to add one thing, guys. I, I do have to boogie. So what, I, what yeah. I want to give for the viewers on their way out uh, for you guys to finish off, so apology viewers, I have to pick up my kid, is... Could you guys just quickly discuss uh, uh, your feelings on the sell-off yesterday uh, on May 20th, and then you can cap off. And obviously, thank you guys. I'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, Good Trang. Night. But yeah, so yeah, Trang had to leave. Thanks for... Yeah, dude, that's really interesting. I, I think we've spoken about this quite a bit over like text, but not like uh, talking about it completely. One, one point we did speak about this over Zoom was when we did our second interview, when we did a live thing. And I, I think we still have a clip, which I don't think I've even put out, which was about Bitcoin. And, and uh, this was like maybe August or September. And you said something along the lines of, don't put all your money or whatever and your focus into this thing, thinking everything's just going to work out. Like mm -hmm. you should be really focusing on like, do I have skills? Do I, can I earn money elsewhere? what else do i am i interested in and i think to be really honest since then like things have gone so parabolic that it's quite hard to not 
be in that mindset where, to put it frankly, on certain days, for a lot of people, you're making a lot more money in that month mm. from your investments than you might do from a job or even your business. So, right. and it's quite hard mentally to balance that. And, uh, but then I think this week has been interesting because it also reminds you when there's a huge drop and you just look at a number on a screen and you're like, oh, damn, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is serious, you know? Like, but at the same time, it's kind of like a game. And it's kind of weird because the certain value on a screen could buy you something in the real world, right? Yeah. And it could pay for your bills or you could buy your house or whatever it is. And uh, so, yeah, even for someone like me, um, I'm not exactly in the same position as you, but I'm also self-employed. I've built skills that I feel some confidence around, okay, if I went to zero in everything, what would I do? And I have some confidence that, okay, I will go and figure it out and I'll be able to work for someone. If I need to take 100%. a job, I'm happy to do it. Uh, if I need to do freelance, I can do that. And I think that's what you were saying there was there's a certain confidence that comes from, oh, I've done this before. I've earned money elsewhere. And yeah, this is hopefully going to grow over time. But like, ultimately you need to really focus on what are the things you enjoy? What are the things you're good at? How do you make money in your in a job or in a business and yeah hopefully this can help you get to the next level but if not you you know there's still something to fall back on and and that's been a good reminder this week for sure man yeah i think you make a great point about the like mental i'm i'm so glad that this uh like i think we're fortunate that we didn't go through this at the beginning of our careers right when you're entering mm, the workforce or when you're point. like trying to figure out how you're gonna or what you're gonna what you're going to do essentially, like what am I going to train in? What skills am I going to get? What do I want to build? Who do I want to work with? It's very hard to go and take a like 50 grand a year job. Uh, like if you're in a big city, you know, entry level corporate job. Um, if you're, like you say, if you're speculating and getting a 7,000% return on <laughs> like some nonsensical coin, right? Yeah. And it's like, then you have to go back and be like, this week will be the correction of that behavior. So mm. like re-entering the job market after that is like, <laughs> this is humbling, right? It's the, yeah. Um, you know, the big short, those two like real estate brokers, they, they're yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. closing scene, they're at that job fair looking at like- Yeah, 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 yeah it's brilliant. And, and it's, it's perfect, right? That's, the, that's what's going on right now, but we're in the internet economy, which I think is like twists it a little bit. COVID going on. It's like, what do people do if this isn't the answer? And like to bring some like solemn point of view to the not investment advice podcast, it's like there's some seriousness to this, right? It's like there's, we get to joke about it and we get to like piss around with it because we're in a different position than a lot of people. And, uh, but that didn't come from nothing. Like, but the environment that you were able to build that in, you had a lot. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I had a lot fewer distractions. Right? When I started my job, I had a frigging BlackBerry, and I got one text message. <laughs> BBM, a day, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm on a different time zone. I was living in New York. I was on a different time zone than basically every person I'd ever met. And uh, I was like, I work, I go home, I wake up, I go to work. Now, like somebody's day is like, you wake up. You put your iPhone in your face, in your bed, and then you- It's like an extension of your body, pretty yeah. much. Looking at your iPhone, you make breakfast, you're looking, and, and it's just like the amount of nonsensical information someone consumes in a day is probably more than I consumed per working year in my, at the beginning of my career. And I, like, yeah, I genuinely definitely. feel for people. 
I don't know, but maybe I'm, maybe this is just totally off. Like maybe people are like learning solidity and they're going to program smart contracts <laughs> and I'm just an idiot, right? And they could just scroll Twitter well, I, all day and create more. I think the, it's a good point because it's like the, the pros and the cons of each, right? Like there's, uh, we've talked about this. We're pretty much the same age. Like if we were at school, we would have been friends in the same year pretty much, mm -hmm. right? And, and like we went through the same stages where we were probably into the internet a lot more than most of our friends at the time. Yeah. And, and even then, what people have access to now is crazy, right? Like, so we've talked about you having your Shopify store. I used to have an OS commerce store in 2004 where there was no Shopify. There was like, there was no AdWords pretty much. There were so many things that just didn't exist. There was no Google Analytics really, right? Like I knew someone liked my website if they added me to bookmarks. So like, and, and even then it was the most fun I've ever had and yeah, you make yeah. some money on the internet and it lays a foundation. But now I'm like, imagine me and you were 16 now or 17 now with our curiosity. And, you know, this is not to like big ourselves up, but I'm just saying the way we act now as a, is just yeah, but we're still semi-distracted, right? Like you just had a kid, you're married, you've got like responsibilities and you can't mm -hmm. just go crazy. There's, there's certain limits to what you can do with time. So on the flip side, yeah, for someone who's young today, is the most incredible time and on the flip side the worst time because there's so much information there's you know there's a lot of comparison that happens and mentally it's quite hard for people to take um i don't know man it's a tough one but i think the main thing is yeah obviously we're getting a little serious but like it's been a crazy week and like people should not be taking any of this seriously like there's a it's a like a lot of people are losing their house pretty much because yeah, they yeah. didn't think ahead they just thought everything's gonna keep going up and that's not how, how it works, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the delirium and the euphoria is real, man. Like there's like incredible talented people going on. I mean, Elon and Kathy Wood and her, like, yeah, Bitcoin's hitting 500 grand. Go on CNBC and say that. Like, this, I, I wonder if I like, you know. That's true. I mean, we're not doing that bad, to be fair. We've, been, right. we've got a lot of caveats in what we're yeah. saying. Yeah, like I'm not saying that this would be remotely comparable because it's a different asset class, right? But if someone was on CNBC, like CEO of Ford is on CNBC and he's like, yeah, we just invented the electric truck. I reckon Ford stock's going to four grand. Like everyone would be like, all right, dump yeah, everything, buy Ford. Like this guy knows what yeah. he's talking about or some analyst says that. And that I think like all the edges are sort of breaking, right? It's like maybe see, like the narrative was far more controllable and the narrative that was, if you can control the narrative from the top, it kind of plays out, right? It's like you can make the story true if only one person is, is spouting it. Like there's a way yeah. for that narrative to become real that way. And um, I think we're starting to see that like Frey and, you know, people like Elon are just playing with that in a really, you know, I would say... A, Maybe it's a reckless way, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just seeing like the vitriol and the like crazy reactions to that, it's like people worship that guy. Man, it's just like yeah, and they turned his like what people I guess thought was his belief system on them, and uh, volatility is not going down anytime soon, right? It's only going up in every area of life. Just entropy going crazy all these permissionless networks and like it's a hard place to put yourself between buy an ETF that 
doesn't move and like <laughs> chuck all your money what, on 20 percent year on year right. <laughs> gain right. doesn't it's kind of yeah. doesn't move nowadays because we're well you know what else like I'll, I'll say is um all the things that i think got us into bitcoin are the things that have created this this is the beast that like monetary policy has created and it, like bad economic progress yeah. has created like why do people feel the need to gamble their freaking wages on a cartoon yeah like, this, that's they're not making that's enough money point. yeah they're not they're not they don't feel financially secure um yeah and i think if if your if your economic strategy is gambling then you have to reassess regardless of i think regardless of your situation like I, we've talked about this like even two or three days looking at that stuff by I just start to deteriorate mentally. It's like, I can't be doing this. Even if there's like a decent return involved, it's like, it's not worth it. And to live like that is, is brutal. Yeah, you're talking about specifically like the shitcoin stuff yeah, as yeah, well, exactly. right? Like, yeah, so we, we should probably share that with people because we had talked about it over text where, you know, we talked about on the pod, like there's Dogecoin, there's Shiba and all these stupid things. And look, in full transparency, I buy one, a few of those once in a while just for jokes in a tiny amount where I'm like, okay, if this went to literally zero in seven days, like I know that could happen and it's okay because I'm just kind of like having fun with it. But I'm pretty disciplined with it not being a lot of money, right? Like, and, and the problem is a lot of people see it and they're just like, oh, this is going up, becoming the next Dogecoin and I need to be in it. And it comes from that FOMO and it's dangerous, you know, because it's yeah. like there's... I, but we all feel it because there's a genuine FOMO because we've all seen we almost bought this coin at this time like honestly I feel about Ethereum in the same way like I tried buying Ethereum even earlier and my Coinbase account kept blocking me because of like some ID thing right. and I, I looked at my email the other day and there's like so many transactions which now would be worth a lot of money wow. and uh yeah and but you know what that's just part of the yeah, game and is. i didn't and i just left it for a few months because like, oh, it's, it's not working not right now work. then eventually i figured it out and i it worked out but you always have this feeling of oh what if i'd done this and i feel like especially in crypto because this all happened so quickly and it's all on a touch of a button if you talk about bitcoin to literally anyone uh, that I've done this with like hundreds of people, they'll be like, oh yeah, I wish I heard about it this time and I, I almost bought it, but I didn't. And that's like right. the story everyone always says. So there's always that feeling that's in the back of your mind. Oh, what if it's the next one? And that is a dangerous feeling when, you know, there's no cap, there's no real education around it. But at the same time, I think both you and I believe in, you know, uh, uh, agency of, of individuals like, if yeah. you're an adult, like you, you, Crack you need on. to take responsibility. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe you could say the government should not allow anyone to just, uh, or governments or companies or whoever through regulation shouldn't allow a 19 year old to get 100x leverage in a Robinhood account. Yeah, or, leverage you know, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and again, this I don't think Robinhood even does that much leverage, but you know what I mean. Right. Um, yeah, just so they don't sue us. So, so there's just um, <laughs> there's that whole thing, and uh, so I think there's a lot. To unpack and there's a lot of you know genuine problems with the kind of world we're in at the same time there's crazy opportunity and and i think you know if you're interested in it i think it's great like i think there is probably a future in a lot of this stuff 
um and if that doesn't mean just putting your money in it because i think a lot like you and i are in the same boat here we probably both got interested in it because we were like oh this thousand dollars could become ten thousand and then once you're in it you're like oh what what's the actual narrative what's the the underlying technology and and yeah a part of that is you can the gambler in the casino convincing themselves how the roulette table works probabilistically yeah, 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 but yeah. in reality like genuinely like me and you we've been interested in technology since we're kids so yeah. there is an element of that for us um but you know it's it's a tough one because what happens uh trying to ask this question earlier and i didn't actually say the answer in 2018 what shifted in my head was there's a bunch of jargon and no one's telling me why what the real use cases are and I even did a podcast interview with a guy who, his name's Ali Hassan. Um, and you can guys can listen to it on Crater Lab. Just look for that one, Ali Hassan on Crater Lab. And he did a really good job of explaining, you know, um, what the what blockchain is, what Bitcoin mm. is, the real use cases, and tried to break it down in simple terms. And after that, I, I still felt a little bit like I still don't fully get it. You know what I mean? After like two hours and probably 10 hours of prep, there was all this stuff where I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But are we still using this for currency or not? Like, mm -hmm. am I paying for pizza with this or not? And then right. later when the whole gold stuff came about and I saw, okay, yeah, there's a $10 trillion market cap for gold. We're at less than a trillion at a time. And this is a superior version of it. If enough people believe it, if it's a hedge against inflation because of limited supply, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's now it kind of clicks, but also that is just a story. Right, like if the story changes, this the outcome will change too. So, mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I think that's uh, probably enough, man. <laughs> Did you have anything else to add, man? On that? I was uh, there was one thing that popped in my head. I was having a conversation with a guy, good friend of mine in New Zealand, earlier this week, and he got dragged into the whole you know shitcoin nonsense. And uh, we were talking. Is like, I was like, you 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 could compare this to a gold rush, right? Like people would convince themselves that like go west. Right. Like we have to like take the family savings, hit the road and find the thing. And he like his he came back uh, and I said, like, oh, yes, yeah, about digging in the right place. Like, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You go west and you get your shovel and you just start digging. And some people find gold. And he's like, yeah, another person's like 20 feet away from you and they're destitute. They've just they've just like gambled their entire family's future on this thing, dug a hole and there's nothing at the bottom of it. And now, like, they've got nothing to, you know, I mean, it's even different than that because you can't go and dig another hole because the, the, the spade is your, the cash that you've just eviscerated in some idiotic gamble, right? But the mentality of it at a cultural level is there. Like, you don't, the, you know, the, like, people don't go to Vegas every weekend to make money en masse right it's like everybody's kind of culturally got to the point where it's like okay this is the fun thing maybe a tiny sliver of the population is like makes a living that way but for the most part it's been around long enough where people are like okay, yeah I'm there's gonna, another I'm story i'm there. gonna lose i'm gonna lose basically everything if i go to Vegas, <laughs> right and if i come <laughs> yeah, out yeah. on top like great i'll lose it next time that's essentially how we've come to and it's like i need to get a job but the yeah, but this 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 story is just not mature enough. I don't think to have 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 uh, reached that point. And there's also like, I think people still think that somebody's in control or that something like there's 
like somebody's going to look after them at a certain point, right? This has to be yeah. money. And I put my, I put my driving license into this thing. It can't be, I can't possibly lose all my money in 20 minutes. No, you can. Yeah. You and then they, then they learn about Mount Gox, which was the big <laughs> hack from many years ago where that was the reason I took everything off exchanges because I was like, this is, this could happen again. And now we're in 2021, I would feel more comfortable holding it in certain exchanges or like BlockFi or one of those platforms where you got like five factor authentication <laughs> basically. Yeah. And, but like in 2017, 18, it wasn't like you're worried about that stuff happening. Well, um, yeah, man, crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point about the gold rush because there's people that are always attracted to something where money is being made and then there's on from a business point of view there's also the people that um create the tools or the shovels or whatever the picks or whatever they whatever the analogy is and that's an interesting thing as well it's like someone's listening to this and they're young and they're interested in this stuff you don't have to put your life savings on the line you can go and like learn about the space because it's already complicated you could pick up a skill whether that's writing clearly mm. programming designing stuff like you do um and you can go and work in this space and have the upside in a different way um so th there's a lot there's a lot going on and I, I think it's an exciting space but at the same time i'm going to ask myself a genuine question if we're in a bear market in a year's time and the bitcoin price is twelve thousand dollars i'm just making it up am i going to feel the same or is there going to be enough fud that i'm going to be like right. oh okay no i was just on a hype at the time and uh we all just fell for it so i don't know it's definitely a crazy time and it's hard to kind of digest what's actually been happening yeah yeah it's, i think it's it's basically yeah i'm, I'm gonna go down too deep of a rabbit hole but it's like do it, uh, do it. <laughs> the, the, like you, there's a spectrum of like how far away you are from the collective consciousness, right? Like if you're like the majority of people with Bitcoin is $12,000 are just running for the hills and the level of conviction it actually takes when it's just getting hammered from every angle to be like, I'm doubling down, I'm doubling down. Um, but, you know, I've consumed so much content at this point about the inevitability of it. But it's all stories, right? It's like, it is all stories all the way down, mate. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if like X number of computers run this code and it's the absolute truth. If everybody's collectively or enough people collectively are like, no, you know what? There's a better story or that story doesn't work anymore. It's, it's not, not, nothing's invincible, right? I think it's maybe the closest thing to invincible, but nothing is. It's not investment. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to, that's a great way to end it man was there anything else before we close out dude no i think it was great man i think it was a good like well, we joke a lot on this but i think um the massive disclaimer is like i think we do have enough discipline to not uh put our you know our dependence at risk through this stuff and that is like i think the message we want to leave on is like it's all fun and yeah. games and let's like mess around with it and make friends in the space but it's freaking dangerous and be careful yeah 100 man couldn't say it uh, any better and yeah man it's like it's exciting time be a part of it if you can but also don't don't risk your life savings man because it's not there's a lot of people who are going through like really really bad stuff like you yeah, know yeah. so don't want to be encouraging that for sure and like us three come on here we mess around and we just want to have fun that you know like 
that's really why we're doing this but deep down i also i know you know trung knows his stuff and i know you've got a really interesting point of view and when we actually talk about stuff it allows us to unpack how we're thinking about things and uh, we can actually kind of i, I kind of learn from what you guys are doing so all right dude well, let's uh, call it a day then but i hope you guys enjoyed this and uh, we will see you on the next episode of no investment advice and actually since we got you here if you've made it all the way here do us a favor and write a review on Apple on Apple Podcasts or whatever. Share yeah, it with right. your friends. We're, we're, we are taking this more seriously. We're, we're doing it more regularly now. We're going to try to get one out every week and that takes quite a lot of time and energy. So if you enjoy this, let us know. Share on Twitter. Tag us. Tell us what you like. And uh, yeah, leave a review. That helps us get it out to more people. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>